At the time of this recording, I had only known Nick for a few weeks. Nick was visiting his friend here in Philly for the first time, and his friend happens to also be friends with Brandon Thrash, my friend and guest from season one. Brandon brought Nick to my husband's birthday celebrations, and I loved Nick's friendly nature and positive attitude. I was able to check in with Nick over the weekend and get a few status updates regarding some of the things we had talked about in this episode. First off, he changed his Instagram handle after our recording, so make sure to follow him at Nicky Deech. That's N-I-C-K-Y-D-E-E-C-H on Instagram. In this episode, we learn about Nick's love of music. He finally took a leap and performed a stripped-down version of Someday by The Strokes at the open mic night he has really enjoyed going to. He was supposed to attend the music festival Bonnaroo, but I knew it was canceled due to Hurricane Ida. When I had asked him about it, he said I know it was a total bummer. I was pulling into Nashville the day before the festival when I got the news. Hurricane Ida had basically flooded the entire campground. The people helping set up the festival were ankle-deep in water. When I asked Nick what he was up to work-wise, he said he's still working private cocktail gigs through word of mouth. He's also currently pouring beer a few days a week at a cool little tack room. He explains that the owner is super open to his ideas, so Nick has been using what he knows in the cocktail world to make kegged cocktails as well as teach some whiskey classes. He said he's not too busy these days, but he's okay with that. I know we all need to take a step back from time to time, another very important form of self-care. When I asked if a mask mandate was ever reinstated in Chattanooga, he said while there hasn't been a mask mandate officially put in place, businesses have been enacting their own self-imposed mandates that are more of a strong suggestion. I can understand Nick's desire to take that step back and work in environments where he feels most comfortable. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the following episode, Eagerness to Learn with a Twist with Nick Dietrich. My guest today is Nick, a bartender from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, also one of the youngest guests that I've had on my show to date. Um, thank you so much for joining me all the way from down in Tennessee today, Nick. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, Excited so to be here. I'm, I'm super pumped to have you here as well. We, we only just met a couple of weeks ago. Um, I know the, the timing because uh, we were out and about for my husband's birthday and our friend Brandon from season one of Beyond the Venue podcast uh, brings along uh, this, this gentleman from Chattanooga and it's like, oh yeah, this is Nick. He's just in Philly for the weekend. Like we have a mutual friend. So what, what, what uh, inspired you to kind of drop everything in Chattanooga for the weekend and come, come visit us in Philadelphia? Well, uh, I have a, a great college friend who moved up to Philly a couple of years ago. We'd been, you know, back and forth about it. Said, come visit, come visit. And I needed something different. And I found a hundred dollar round trip no check bag, just something I stuffed under the, the front seat at the plane there and headed up to Philly for the weekend. That's awesome. I and mean, it was it was great to meet you. You have, I don't know, just such a positive attitude <laughs> and just such a, just such a wonderful spirit. And I just really enjoyed uh, getting to know you. And I'm like, okay, I know this sounds crazy, but are you interested in being on my podcast? Because, you know, hospitality and you know we're really getting beyond the venue and leaving Philadelphia um, and bringing someone else into the fold so um, I, I'm really excited we were able to make this happen um, so how how did you enjoy your weekend here in Philadelphia do you remember some of the spots that that you visited yeah it was excellent I got in uh, late Thursday night uh, first thing I noticed you know getting out of the airport taking an uber to my friend's house just like all three of those sports stadiums are right there. <laughs> it's like, 
there wasn't many things I feel like I needed to know about Philly, but one was that you have to be a Philly sports fan to be in Philly. I will ask too, did you also notice the intense smell as you were leaving the airport before you hit the bridge and hit the stadium? I don't think so. That's I'm always my that. like, hey girl, you're back at home in Philadelphia. <laughs> ah, that, yes, that it's the, city the smell. refineries. It just it, <laughs> it hits you like a ton of bricks before you cross over the uh the bridge there. So um we do love our sports here. And I think that oh, was yeah. definitely one of the things that we talked about uh and trying to figure <laughs> out where your sports loyalties lies because you know in, in the South it's all about college football. Like that's such a big oh, yeah. deal. And mm-hmm. um I think we, we figured this all out where you what where where were your sports loyalties? Where well we got the Tennessee Titans. I do love some NFL. Um the natural predators for NHL as well is always fun to see, especially since they've been winning the last couple of years. Impossible to get tickets now. Too expensive, but it's fun to watch them on TV. I like a little bit of soccer as well. There's a great little football club here in Chattanooga I like to go support as well. So, yeah, I'm not the biggest sports fan, but I'm known to cheer for some teams. (laughs) Double double. For me, it's all about the social aspect. That's what really gets me into sports and the beginning because I enjoyed playing them growing up. Um, but when it comes to watching them, I feel like when you're just able to get together with friends and yell and scream and cry. And <laughs> exactly. All together at the same time in unison. Crash talking. <laughs> and I think Philadelphians, as well as like several other major cities around our area, are definitely known for not being the nicest of fans and definitely making some terrible errors in judgment about how they treat other folks who come to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So I know... We've definitely earned a reputation for not being the best, but we're, we're not the worst. Um, so how did you feel in, in the city of Philadelphia? Like, did you feel like welcomed? Did, did you? Yeah, I was super excited, you know, you know, riding off what you said just there saying that, you know, maybe not a lot of Philadelphians are very nice. I definitely found it the other way around where everybody I met was incredibly hospitable and welcoming. I had a great time. Um, yeah, my friend, she lives in Queens Village. So that's a cute little area town. Uh, and it's just so different to me. You know, like cities down here are so sprawling. You have to get around by driving everywhere, 45 minutes across town kind of thing. And it was so nice to be able to walk around a neighborhood and there's neighborhood coffee shops and parks and record stores and everything in one little condensed area, which was really cool. Um, first place I went to the Thursday night, this place called Lucky's Last Chance. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, just it felt good, like proper dive. I had a great hot dog. Yeah, it's fantastic. Exactly what I needed after getting the plan. It was like <laughs> yeah, a shot, a beer, and a hot dog. Right what did you do? What did you do with yourself uh, that Friday? Uh, so my friend that I was visiting, she had to work um, earlier in that day, so I wandered around. I managed to get myself into like Little Saigon, that Vietnamese community there, and got like a badass four dollar bon me that was awesome. You know, walked around the open air markets over there found myself stumbling into this record shop. I don't remember the name of it, but it was very like niche. It was like heavy metal music, like like eighties like house music, soundtracks. That was like the only selections of albums they had. But then there was like a Dungeons and Dragons side too. So you could buy the figurines to paint for your for your campaign, you know, buy the die, everything like that. So it was just like two friends who clearly had some sort of passion and just decided to open up a collective space together. I thought that was very, very uh, odd, but I was, I was here for it. It was cool. A, 
classic Philly. Like, I love it. All these kind yeah. of, you know, eccentric little spots that, you know, passion projects. Yeah, I, I found it. like a Brian Eno album from the 70s, just some ambient number four kind of thing. It was cool. If I had the album, I would hold it up right here. But great, a great little find for sure. And then Saturday, I know you definitely checked out Dirty Finks and Bob and Barbara's, and it definitely doesn't get any more iconic than oh, that. Excellent. Um, so, and I know you and Brandon, you, you guys went to dinner at one of the newer restaurants in Philly, I believe. Is it mm -hmm. Sally? Sally, yeah. It was great. Um, by that time, you know, so Brandon and I had met up around like 1 p.m. at Blue Coat Gin Distilling. Oh, uh, Philadelphia Distilling. Yeah, Philadelphia Distilling. Oh, our, uh, distills one of, Blue Coat yeah, Gin, right? Yeah. One of my, uh, one of our other guests for this season um, of Beyond the Venue podcast, uh, Saul Thomas, is uh, he works there on nice. Sundays, and it's yeah. we we both agree that it's one of our favorite venues. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. The drinks were excellent. I I love some good gin. All the bartenders are really cool, and you know, going somewhere like that in town with someone like Brandon who seems to be well connected in the service he industry. He knows a couple people around yeah. town. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of special treatment never hurt. Makes you feel a little more welcome. Kind of reminds me of Chattanooga a little bit in that way because everybody kind of knows each other in the bar scene here and you take care of each other. You go visit each other at the bars. Yeah, it, it's, it was really cool to see that same kind of community in a city, you know, 800 miles away from me. And so, so tell me a little bit more about the the spot that you work. Like, I'd I'd love to know how you ended up in bartending, um, as well as like a little bit more about where where you're currently working. Yeah, um, it's been a long road for sure. Uh, when I first moved to Chattanooga eight years ago, to start college, you know, I, I did that. My classic job at the time was I delivered pizzas, which was fine, you know. But I find myself uh, I ended up being a barista at this little coffee shop, which was really cool. Um, and I started to care a lot about coffee, like not just, you know, making cool looking drinks, but like the tastes and the, the styles, the flavors. Um, so I ended up getting a job at the roaster. Uh, I roasted coffee for about two years and that was the first time I ever really sat down and thought about and talked about with someone else what I was tasting. Um, you know, when you get a new, new bean, new, like fresh coffee bean, there's no instruction on how to roast it. Maybe like some suggestions, but you do time trials, different temperatures and times. And you sit down and you do a cupping and you sit there and you talk about the flavors, you know, what you could, what you see in it, maybe what you could pull out of it if you do something different. So like that, that kind of mental exercise of vocalizing what you're tasting, I guess, opened up the idea to me of, you know, trying to work further into that side of things and into the because yeah, what beverage, you're describing yeah. sounds completely identical to uh, life in the beer world. Like that was yeah. very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah, so then, you know, I got my first serving job at this little pizza place in town. Pretty cool. Ended up being a bartender there. You know, I got hired. I was like, I want to be a bartender. I, I want to do that. You know, so I put myself behind the bar every day. If the bartenders needed something, you know, I'd, you know, help them, like, you know, bust their glasses and clean, you know, like, like unofficial them. bar back. Like, yeah, I was like, server, I forced my way in bar. there. I was like, <laughs> let me do this. So eventually, you know, I got my, my first bar gig, which is really cool. And that's, you know, where I learned how to, you know, take care of customers, but also, you know, multitask, pour beer, do whatever. It's a, it was a pretty basic place, you know, um, which is fun. It was a great place to learn, but you I weren't was making uh, $15, uh, intricate cocktails at the exactly. time. It was and, more of know, like a volume thing. Yeah, and, totally. And, you know, there was like a Manhattan on the menu and I knew how to make one, but I didn't know exactly what it was. You know, I was like, I didn't know why these things were together. Like what vermouth was or anything like that. And I started to ask questions and they were, 
they like to they like to paint themselves as a local establishment they have like probably six or seven locations so they're like very much kind of corporatizing themselves so like, like nah, a shut local up. chain yeah shut up don't ask questions make the drinks i got to the point where i was like i want to learn more and there was nothing uh more for me to learn there so i ended up going to this place called whiskey thief um top of the edwin hotel like one of chattanooga's you know first uh cocktail bars that was on a rooftop which is beautiful and that's where um met this great friend of mine matt lawson who uh also was an amazing mentor of mine he I basically uh, interviewed him was like, I don't know anything behind like this bar here, all those bottles. I have no idea what they are, but I want to know, you know? So, um, I think that helped kind of helped me get the job showing. Cause I think there's a weird Hire for attitude train yeah. for success. I absolutely love yeah, that. And that's totally. how I, when I was your age, <laughs> that's yeah. how I got, um, I had never done fine dining before. Mm-hmm. And so I, the year after college moved home to Texas and just tried to find like a high-end restaurant where I could just make bank for a year. Yeah. And I only had casual experience in my portfolio. And, you know, just exactly. like just like you, I had that fantastic go get 'em yeah. attitude. Absolutely. And it's like, all right, show up tomorrow. Like you're totally. hired. We'll we'll train you. And yeah. I mean, some something someone amazing said to me a while back when I was starting my first serving job was now we can teach you how to be a good server. We can't teach you how to be a good person. And that's yeah. something that definitely resonates with me constantly because that's that's when if I'm looking to hire people, that's what I look for, the people who are interested, the people who are excited, not necessarily the people who have the most experience, which never hurts, but I want I want the good people that you have to work high stress situations with, you know. You want people who can hold their own, people who can, you know, manage multiple things at once and always have a good attitude. And so fast forward, I'm kind of regaling on my past, but I was the bar manager of this place called Proof um, that started February of 2020. Our grand opening was going to be March of 2020. Oh Uh, no. We did a couple soft openings, you know, with the, this like kind of looming COVID thing in the back. We're like, is this a real issue or is this about to happen? And then the day of our grand opening was the day that the County mandated shelter in place. So COVID at Proof, was all like all I knew, you know, um, which has been, it was a lot of fun, very challenging, but we like quickly kind of shifted to become, I guess, like leaders in the industry, especially in Chattanooga area on like how to handle it. So instead of, you know, just shutting down, we were like partnering with local distilleries to um, bottle hand sanitizer and mm-hmm. donate it. We were doing like these food boxes for out of work industry people, people that might be food insecure, no questions asked. We had like local restaurants donate extra produce, you know, sponsors who, you know, donated a six pack of beer or, you know, like moon, you know, like moon pies. Have you ever had a moon pie before? I am familiar with a moon pie. They're from Chattanooga, right? So like, moon oh, pie, yeah, yeah, like okay. moon pie donated a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. And we're giving those out, you know, little things to seriously boost some morale at that time. Cause it was some dark days those first couple months. That was pretty scary. Um, yeah, so we we were doing that. We there was a big. Were you tornado. also? I guess were you able to do any sort of to go cocktails or to go food, or were you just not set up to to do it, that just yet? Yeah, I guess that, I, I never even thought about what everybody else was like because here in Philadelphia, um, and I guess the entire state of Pennsylvania, um, they signed off and were able to start doing to go cocktails, but that yeah. took a while. Yeah, it took a while for us too. There was some legislation that had to be passed, and there was a weird caveat: you had to sell food with it. Yeah. Um, so we ended up kind of like 
cheesing it a little bit and like getting like little house bags of popcorn and like mm-hmm. it was like a dollar but you know you could get a hundred dollars worth of booze with that if you want to right. count it as food you know uh yeah so those are a total total shift in what we were planning on doing uh, and that was the first couple months and then late summer last year is when we started actually trying to do some dine-in like outside only yeah i guess i would ask so service, it, so. is it food and cocktails like it was at a yeah. full service restaurant not just um like a cocktail bar yeah it was this really cool concept uh is an incubator space so oh okay the the bar acted as an anchor and we bring chefs in who have ideas of their own maybe they don't have the capital or the means to you know have their own space yet we give them a chance to work it out we'll help train their staff get an idea maybe like my job also involved maybe get an idea of what their cocktail programs could look like make menus that would reflect their cuisine as well which was pretty cool um since then we've had this amazing guy in named kenyatta ashford he is actually he actually just won chopped pretty recently so there's been a lot of buzz around there uh celebrating him which is really cool but um yeah it's it's been a total a total ride there i actually left uh proof at the end of june i i, I stepped away it's like what month where are we now like <laughs> yeah right uh one, okay two, so about, three, about yeah. two months ago so okay yeah. about two months ago yeah. you walked away from proof was it mm-hmm. what what was the impetus for that decision just kind of needed a change or needed a vacation yeah, a little bit of both um and one thing I've kind of come to terms with that I think there was some serious trauma bonding with proof involving COVID because that's really all I knew, you know, that's, that's all proof ever was, was COVID. There was never a time, there was never a before time at proof there. So, and there was a lot of stress, you know, um, you'd think that people would be more empathetic, compassionate over the last year, but. You mean in terms of uh, consumers? Yes. Our guests. It is. Yeah. Heartbreaking. How it is. It really is. This, this last year has, honest to God, brought out the best and the worst in people. And I, I just, it sickens me how people are being so terrible to folks in the hospitality industry. Like how, I, I just, I don't get it. Y'all have been through the absolute ringer. Like everybody's been through it, but the the work that you know, bar and restaurant folks have done to keep us, you know, fed and drunk and happy and in whatever capacity you can and for people to just turn around and be awful. And then now with the whole proof of vaccination and everything that's coming mm-hmm. out without the, the internet trolls are just They're feasting. through the roof. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it, it's killing me. I, it's I really just, disheartening. Yeah. Oh, so I, I guess as you were experiencing a lot of that, unfortunately, in, in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially, you know, Chattanooga itself uh, just elected a Democratic mayor, which is pretty exciting. But we are very much a red state, a couple little blue dots. So, you know, we, we share a border with Georgia and pretty close to Alabama as well and more rural towns. So, Would you compare they- Chattanooga a little bit more to something like, like in Austin or Madison, Wisconsin, where you're like a liberal? Is it a liberal city in, in, a, in a red state? Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 a blue dot in a red state for sure. It's very uh, much like, like a college town feel, or yeah, yeah, the college town. But it's also a great outdoor town. You got a lot of people coming here for you know rock climbing and kayaking, biking, hiking. Is your your close to Smoky Mountains? We're we're like in the foothills. Yeah. If okay. you go if you go a little further east, you'll hit the Smokies. But it's the geography around here is absolutely beautiful. That's actually why I came. You know, I I fell in love with rock climbing when I moved here, which has been awesome. I met so many amazing people through it. It's a great community. Um, and some like we're for the layman who isn't 
quite aware of like how dense Chattanooga is with climbing. It's it's crazy. It's it's world class. Every time I go to some of the more popular spots, I meet people from around the country, around the world, because it is it is high quality, high volume. Uh, it's it's awesome. It's so there's a lot of cool people that come through this town for that kind of stuff as well. Is it all outdoors? Like, so would it was it something you you were able to safely do during the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's funny. You know, you couldn't buy a bike around here. Oh, and nothing all sold was out. yeah, everybody all was... sold out. You know, everybody's hitting the the trails pretty hard, and some of the more popular climbing areas did close down for a little while because the, there's just so much congestion. But um, yeah, it, it was cool to see people taking an alternative, getting outside. Um, yeah, and like I said, so many cool people, great community with that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. And I guess yeah. was that is that kind of one of your your self care go tos? Is that one of the way you you mentioned that you were in this kind of like trauma bubble? Yeah. Um, with being inside proof. So what? What were some other ways that you were able to process or just kind of get through and keep that amazingly positive attitude of yours? Uh, you know, despite uh, what you see, the attitude did dwindle a little bit at certain times. And, you know, during that year. Oh, cheers to that. Yeah, definitely fell off the wagon a bit with, you know, trying to get outside and, you know, be active and healthy. It's easy. It's easy to um, kind of spiral, especially in an industry where you work long, late hours, surrounded a lot by, you know, inhibitors like alcohol or other drugs. Um, you stay up late, you get off work, you know, two, three a.m. and you don't, you're not ready to go to bed. You know, you go out, maybe the only thing open is a bar that has shitty fried food, and you're hungry, and you have a couple beers, and then you sleep until two p.m. the next day and do it all again. So it, it definitely got sucked into. Um, kind of this like self-deprecating cycle. It was really disappointing for a while. So that was another reason I need to step away. I was like, I need to take time for myself. Um, need to enjoy my life. Go see my friends and family more often. You know, be creative in the ways I like to be creative, like making music and just being sociable. I think it's helped me a lot. <laughs> so is, is music one of your outlets? I mean, you, you mentioned finding this, you know, super cool record store. So um, do you do you play? Do you sing? I, I play mostly for myself. I uh, definitely have some stage fright. But there's a great little bar I like going to here in chat that does a um, like an open mic every Wednesday. And every Wednesday I go and they're like, are you playing this week? Like, no, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> So but, all you need is a little pep talk. Exactly. Um, too. Yeah. Uh, so listeners, uh, when when Nick gives you his information to follow him, make sure you uh, send him some encouraging notes uh, to <laughs> get him up that. on stage yeah. for uh, <laughs> uh, get over that stage fright. Exactly. So if you if you left proof in in June, what's uh, you know I I know there's so many folks that kind of just like what you're saying, we're ready to walk away from the industry. And so that's why, you know, the last couple of months, I know a lot of places have had a hard time staffing because people were just not willing to return to that lifestyle. So yeah. folks are going back to school. They are, you know, maybe going back to whatever their undergrad degree was in um, or just doing some something completely different. So what yeah. what's 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 next for you? I've uh, I've been doing a lot of private events, which has been pretty fun. Uh, oh, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of working out the kinks, but um, I, a great friend of mine, Toby Darling, amazing guy, who actually put me in contact with 
a guy at Blue Coat Gin or Philadelphia Distilling as well. What was his name? Canyon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. met him. And he also, um, I think when we were at the place that Saul works as well, uh, R&D, that, that he was there. And he's like, you got it. You got to come by. I was like, yeah. I know. I will. It's just, it's 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 far, but it's not that far. You know, it's Philly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he Yeah, he put me in contact with him. Great guy. Uh, amazing mentor as well. He works with me at Proof. Um, but he's done a lot of that kind of self-grind kind of thing, you know, where he does a lot of consultation, a lot of consulting for restaurants and bars, and he does a lot of private events. So he was giving me some ideas on maybe how to structure my own business model with that. And, you know, working in the same town for eight years in the restaurants, I've started to meet a lot of people. So I I don't quite have like a, like a business name yet or like anything official like that, but I throw my name out there whenever something needs to be done. And pick up what I can and I've been doing some fun stuff because I mostly I don't do like anything like crazy I always do like um like smaller events you know private cocktails you know specialty stuff make them feel like this is their event you know that kind of, and they love it you know I, I love doing that and it's you can set your own pace you know and instead of like being a hire for like a catering company this is my own thing so I can set the precedent you know I can you know set the pace uh set my price, which is cool. And, you know, really like put on that professional attitude and people buy it. I mean, cause it's, I mean, it's not like I'm like, it's a farce, but it's, it's fun kind of saying like this, I know this is what we need to do. These are the cocktails I'm going to make you. This is how much I'm going to charge you. And people are down with that. And it's, it's been a lot of fun for sure. And what are, what are the liquor laws like in Tennessee? Because, you know, this is something that, that's come up a couple times with with other bartenders on the show. Uh, different cities and different states are set up so differently. So, you know, for here in Pennsylvania, the wine and the liquor is sold through the state. Um, beer yeah, is sold wild. separately. <laughs> and so what what are things like in, in the state of Tennessee? Um, like I said, there were some weird laws that would be passed for the cocktail stuff. Um you know, we just recently started having distilleries actually produce stuff here up until like 2014, everything, you know, was sourced through MGP or, you know, an outside, like outside state um, producer of spirits. So um, as far as liquor license go, you have to be 18 to serve. You get your ABC card. It's like alcohol beverage, C, C acronym. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. There's like some laws about serving it, you know. But do you have to serve like, with food or because you, you made a comment about having to sell um, to go cocktails with yeah. food? Is that a caveat that's generally in place of? Yeah, that's so. And, you know, county to county is different too. Chattanooga here, you have to serve food at your establishment if you serve hard liquor. But beer is, is cool. You don't have to have food. OK. And so you either can sell food and uh, it has to be like produced in house or you can kind of bite it. And it's like a. 4,000 annual payment you have to make, which if, if you're like a high volume cocktail bar, you sell a lot of good stuff, the margins are good. I mean, 4,000 isn't too bad. So there's an interesting way around it. Um, and, you know, a lot of these laws are, I mean, some are like pre-prohibition stuff, like the, as far as like, you know, distilling and producing in town. Some are interesting, like you're not allowed to drink at the place you work, uh, even oh. like out, even outside of like working hours. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a couple of years. I it wasn't a couple of years ago. It was before is my time. Is that just here. a Chattanooga thing, or is that? Yeah, I, I think like 10, 12 years ago, someone had gotten 
excessively drunk at their establishment, was overserved, and they drove home and killed somebody. Um, so unfortunately, that, how that happened? Yeah, it, it is, uh, and it's it is unfortunate. And but you know, that's you'd hope that it's it's more professional than that in most cases on both ends. You know, I work here, maybe I shouldn't get toasted, or I'm the bartender and I know this guy. I know he's had too much to drink, and he works here. You know, like there there's ways around it, and and it it's unfortunate because there's really cool places in town. Like you know, Proof was awesome. Like the cocktail bar was. The program was really cool. Everything was really well considered, pretty cheap. Used a lot of local ingredients. Uh, and I wanted to drink there, you know, uh, and coming on my off days, but had no desire to if I honestly, it sounds kind of like alcohol dependent, but, you know, I want to come in and have a cocktail on my off days. Like these ones I've worked so hard to create and kind of get out into the world. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, there's some strange laws for sure. But as far as like private events go, it's pretty relaxed. Uh, it, it definitely, and we're like right on the border of another state, just like Philly is. But um, and if you go, if you do private, like private bartending down in Georgia, you have to have like different licenses and stuff. But oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like private events here, it's kind of whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Kind of and cool. when you purchase alcohol, are you able to get beer, wine, and spirits all in the same location, or yeah, and yeah? Are you and able they're... to buy stuff at the grocery store, or mm-hmm. yeah? So. Um, Proof also acts as like a commissary kitchen. So we have, I say we, like I still work there. But, uh, <laughs> it's hard um, to, it's hard to, yeah. do, it's, it's going to take some time for sure. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's all these producers of like consumer goods that also work there. You know, we have like a chick who does um, like CBD baked goods. We have this chick who's like, like a pastry chef, uh, like, patisserie kind of thing we have a guy who does like meal prep stuff and there's all this extra space so i actually i mean i still have a good rapport with them i'm a big fan of not burning bridges so i can use their space i i'll um like order produce through them as well which is nice it comes right to the door like the bulk bulk prices which is really cool and i use that space to prep uh which works out really well um it's pretty cool i'm in a lucky position but as far as like booze goes yeah just it's all it's all in one place which is lovely and convenient and they're not all called beer beer wine and spirits or whatever the uh what's what's the name of the shop in philly wine and spirits wine and spirits fine wine and good spirits it's um yeah it's uh, it was nice uh, a couple years ago when they finally started to pass laws that um supermarkets and bottle shops were able to start carrying wine so Mm -hmm. we are pretty spoiled here with some you know very very talented curators of their wine selection so that that was one of the odd silver linings of the pandemic spots that had to you know one of our favorite spots fountain porter that is just such a small bar and had no outdoor seating space they just transitioned into a natural wine shop because they already Mm -hmm. had you know, excellent wines by the glass. So um, that was probably one of the most exciting moments for me was when they reopened. So, um, so I'm curious what, so right now it's about mid August and we're going through um, every week, something is changing now with the Delta variant. And so Philadelphia has finally announced like, okay, now we have a mask mandate. So businesses are either requiring um, proof of vaccination or, um, you must wear a mask at all times while indoors. And um, 
really hoping that this does slow things down and we're not looking at future restrictions. What what do things look like in Chattanooga right now? Um, so there was a new mayor elected kind of throughout the COVID stretch. So I don't, he wasn't the one to enact the first mask mandate. So I'm sure he's getting all sorts of pressure from both sides, either to probably reinstate it or not. I think even just today, uh, I've seen from a couple friends who work at different bars, have they've started to uh, wear masks again. Um, I'm not sure if we'll ever see another mask mandate here. Because, I mean, I geographically, you know, the um, area of the United States I live in is less than keen on wearing masks uh, and believing in them, getting vaccinations. Um, and like I said, we're right on the border of a lot of states, and they'll they'll come into Chattanooga from um, the sticks, I guess you could call it, and they're all used to their small town conservative ideas and it, it really puts a damper on everybody's business here because i mean I'll, i wore a mask eight hours a day for a year i'll do it again you know protect my protect myself protect my coworkers, protect my guests um but you just need support from everybody else with it you know it's the people who say really i have to wear this mask between me getting up from my table and going to the bathroom like yeah it's 20 seconds you got that. You, you're a big boy. You can do this. Yeah. Baffling. And whether so I guess or not with that, that said, you, 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 you do not think that um, spots in Chattanooga would require proof of vaccination uh, at a bar or a restaurant. Uh, they actually started to have already. Oh, the, there are uh, spots that that are. Yeah, it's like to, it's self-enacted. It's self. Uh, yeah, and it's it's. Yeah. Same, kind of technically here, but it's once once they enacted the mask mandate um a bunch of places like and I, it, yeah, it's kind of like totally like dominoes like as yeah. soon as a couple of places stuck their neck out and said we were going to do it prior to the mask mandate and now it's pretty much every spot that i would visit totally. um yeah is going proof of vax and i'm i'm here for that content. i'm all for if it more, yeah if it I, forces uh, more people to get vaccinated you know that's absolutely that's the name of the game because at this point i mean i still i don't want to catch the delta variant but <laughs> i'd be okay the fact is, like, I don't want to kill somebody who has refused to get the vaccine and kind of ruining all the fun for everybody else. Like, we're ready to be over this stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm actually – I'm going to Bonnaroo Music Festival. If you, okay. Have you to Bonnaroo before? Um, yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> it, I mean, it's an hour from here. It's it's super okay. close. Okay. Okay. I, I went, like, five years in a row after high school. It's a great place. Uh, yeah, I bought the tickets back in April. You know, but. Then, oh, you know, thinking everything's gonna be fine. Yeah, everybody's back, optimistic. Oh back yeah, summer. Yeah, <laughs> vaccinations coming out. Let's get this. We're gonna go dance in this fall. That's the first weekend in September, and they they just uh, announced that they're gonna require either negative test or proof of vaccination, which I'm very excited about because I was yeah that makes I was ready to I didn't want to sure. go I didn't want to go. Um, now I'm curious. Is you know it's a huge festival. You know, hundred thousand mm-hmm. people. I'm curious to see what the turnout will be this year. Because it's also not during the summer, which it normally is, and this extra layer on top of that, you know, people maybe who don't have the vaccination or people who don't want to go because it's a it's a pretty pretty serious climate right now. So I'm curious, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, I dancing is one of my favorite things to do. 
I don't do it well, but I do it with a lot of, you know, gusto. So are there uh, <laughs> particular bands that you're super pumped to see um, at Bonnaroo? Uh, Tame Impala, for sure. Love Tame Impala. That Australian psych rock is definitely my favorite. Um, there's this hilarious, uh, he's a comedian, but he's also like a musician. He's got, it's like Weird Al, you know, like Weird Al kind of thing, but uh, way more 2021. He does like a lot of live streams. His name's Mark Rebier. He's okay. he's hilarious, but he's also an excellent musician. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. He'll be playing as well. That'll be a cool show. Yeah. And how many and how many days uh, does Bonnaroo last? It's it's Thursday through Sunday, so four days of of dancing. Yeah. So, so I guess that's going to be over Labor Day weekend. Yeah, that first weekend in September. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, yeah, a little, a little hesitant, but like I said, I mean, we're vaccinated, so hopefully it's a uh, Okay, I'm taking a chance for sure. We're but. we're in the same boat as you. We're spending yeah. um, Labor Day weekend in Santa Fe at the Zozobra Festival. The Zozobra it is, Festival. Um, apparently, it was the the original Burning Man, but it's in its 97th year, and it's this wow. giant animatronic monster that you are supposed to be able to put like everything that you just want to disappear and never think about again. So you know. Sounds yeah, obviously everything yeah, the last totally. year and a half. Absolutely. Put it in the monster and they set the monster on fire. Yeah. And it's just this huge party. So it's a hundred percent outdoors. Um, and so because we've never been before, like we're not really sure how crowded it's gonna be, but yeah. I feel relatively safe and relatively comfortable. Like obviously we'll still keep like masks on, you know, on our wrists and wear them sure. whenever we're feeling uncomfortable. But yeah, um, it's well we'll see so um it, it's outdoors that's, that's yeah what yeah this is all camping festival too so we'll be i'll be outside but i recall the years where i was packed into crowds like sardines and i'll probably be avoiding the front of the crowds this year and then probably it's a nice thing you can you yeah. can figure out like where you want to space yourself exactly. um and then with with kind of the camping situation are you are tents you there are they typically very close together i went to the um the only music festival like camping music festival i've ever been to um was back in 2007 i went to the hurricane music festival in germany and it was one of oh, the most cool. fun weekends awesome. of my entire life it was amazing but it was great because i went with friends who like knew what they were doing so someone who doesn't camp or do it <laughs> yeah it's like i can yeah. pack accordingly and i also taught all the germans about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches what they didn't um, know about that over there they didn't know about that oh over my there. gosh peanut butter is super expensive over there because it's not very common and they have to import huh. it so um just to have people like set up camp for yeah. you and then you show up and it cracked me up too because you know i saw what 25 30 bands in a weekend and was just constantly like seeing all these different shows mm -hmm. versus they pretty much just wanted to get drunk and see the headliners and i'm like y'all do you I, I just was totally, totally fine just going around checking out all these different bands by myself and that's my favorite um, thing to do too just wandering off strangers and yeah. it's especially it's, late night shows you're not really sure where you're going but they're like ah what's what's that noise over there that sounds like fun go wander over there and see what's up and the best was they kept trying to convince me to go to the Bakken Festival, which is the metal festival that takes place in yeah. Bakken, Germany. And 
they're like, everybody's so nice. I, I don't doubt that for a second. I'm sure the, like every single person there is so wonderful. Like I had brought up on another episode, the, uh, the Maryland death fest, like mm-hmm. the metal metal festival that takes place in Baltimore. These, you know, these metal heads are just the sweetest, most sure, wonderful yeah. people. Um, I just don't like that kind of music. And so I'm, totally I'm not fair. a fan of metal and I don't want to spend X amount of dollars to have to listen to metal all weekend. Like, why don't, why don't we just party in Hamburg when y'all get back? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a fair compromise. So um, I am pretty sure that's the last time I went camping. So with, uh, with some of our mutual friends, so with Brandon and like his yeah. friend, Olivia, they are Appalachian trail hikers. Olivia's currently doing it. Brandon completed it. Do you have any aspirations, uh, to do the Appalachian trail yourself? Is that, is that in your wheelhouse? It's, it seems like a, a lofty dream for me personally. I mean, I, I've had friends who have completed it slash are doing it right now. And, um, and I regret like hearing their, their tales. So cool. You know, they come back with the trail nickname, talk about all the crazy people they met along the way. It sounds awesome. Uh, and I'm, I don't, I could do it. I think I could, but also I think like a six month commitment to something is a lot, <laughs> you know, kind of dropping everything and spending a lot of money for six months. Cause I feel like that's something people don't realize had so expensive. It's an expensive thing to do so you're also not you know you're not getting an income and so yeah. saving up unless you know it's like selling drugs or something on the trail but <laughs> which i'm sure is pretty lucrative it's sure very lucrative oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah uh i would love to do that for sure i'm i'm also not too familiar with like the appellation trail once it goes kind of up towards y'all i know like some of the stuff around here and i've done some of the stuff around my part of the country but uh yeah, from what I've seen, like, you know, like Mount Katahdin up there, like Mount Washington are both just like beautiful and extreme and hazardous and dangerous. And it's it seems so cool that that's part of this this long kind of winding trail is this like serious, dangerous part up uh, in like New Hampshire. And uh, it sounds really cool. I would love it to do something blows, like that. Yeah, yeah, it blows my mind. We... um like during the list, we're still ongoing with the pandemic, but last year, my husband and I took advantage of nature vacations because we're just like you. We love exploring new cities, meeting new people, eating and drinking our way through, making right. friends with the bartender, yeah. getting suggestions totally. from them. And we could not do that last year. Um, so we rented a house for two weeks, um, I guess two and a half weeks in upstate Maine. Um, we were only about like 45 minutes from the Canadian border. And so we took a day trip to basically like see Katahdin. So we were like where we were driving to, you could just see the mountain in the distance. Yeah. And it blows my mind to think, you know, that was a 10 and a half hour drive from Philadelphia um, and then beyond just to be able to like see that mountain. And I yeah. know people who are going to walk to there. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, I can't, it's amazing that they're it's doing It's like some this. of the most volatile weather I know in the country, it might be in the world, like it could change, like drop of a hat. You can, yeah, you could die. You could be exposed in 20 minutes, like to a blizzard that you didn't see coming kind of thing. Like crazy. It's, it's, it's very impressive. I'm, but, glad, uh, so, I'm glad this is not airing until they're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're on the, on the trail. Like, oh my God, I could die on this mountain. Oh God. <laughs> I'm not going to get that far. Then never mind. Um, 
no, but one oh. of my favorite things to do is, is winter sports, like snowboarding, oh, okay. snowboarding is my hands down, like most fun I've ever had in my life. Um, I drove out West, uh, this last winter, I had a friend who lives out in Colorado and, uh, just took off two months off and was a snow bum, which was fantastic. That's awesome. Um, but that's, that's another reason like Philadelphia is like so appealing to me. You got, you got New Hampshire and like upstate New York and Vermont up there, which all have like very, very solid East coast skiing, which is pretty ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I have not been since I was 18 years old. I growing up in Dallas, we would head to Colorado and New Mexico every year. And I've, I've done both skiing and snowboarding. I am a terrible snowboarder to the point where I would like learn how to do it, but I just would fall so much and slam down on the ground so terribly that I would spend the next day in terrible pain and then Mm -hmm. figure out like day three could kind of finagle my way down the mountain a little bit. And it's like, why am I doing this to myself? So when I moved to Philly, um, at 18 and you know, you, you got the freshman floor, everyone's trying to plan like a ski trip, snowboarding trip. And I'm like, y'all have fun. I just don't see the point in getting clothes, renting equipment. Like I'm just going to be terrible at it. And I think that, and so it's kind of like, that's when I started to move away from it and you get to the point of, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to it. So even as, you know, quote unquote, adults renting houses in the Poconos where, you know, a lot of our friends would go skiing and snowboarding. It's like, oh, I'm just going to stay at the house and help prep dinner and have totally some, some hot chocolate. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So it works out nicely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's hard to get into, especially if you don't go very often. I've been lucky enough to go about once a year, every year since I was maybe like 14 which has been really cool. And over the years, slowly accruing the gear as well, which makes it a lot easier and I have to rent it every time. And so when I was able to go out for two months, you know, you know, like you said, by the time the third day, you finally figure it out. So being out there for multiple weeks, like, and the amount of improvement you see in just that time is like, Oh, I'm sure it's immense. For so sure. exciting. So, so satisfying. So it's, it's just really very Zen kind of flow state. Once you figure it out, it's just you and the snow letting gravity take hold. It, it, it feels nice. I, I love it. I dream about it. It's definitely a long-term goal of mine is to be somewhere where I can do that seasonally. That's awesome. So yeah. speaking of when you moved to Philadelphia, <laughs> um, <laughs> see what I did there? We're, we'd just love to have you. Um, so that's actually how we met Brandon in the first place is Brandon was friends with our friends from Philly that had moved out to San Francisco. And so we've got friends here in Philadelphia that um, they own all their own snowboarding equipment and go often. So they always would do like somewhere out West, like somewhere in the Rockies, um, an annual snowboarding trip. And yeah. so it was our friends, Neil and Vicky that met Brandon on one of the trips and then oh, really? here for the weekend. Cool. Yeah. So I'm sure you can absolutely once, once all this is over and behind yeah. us and we haven't got a Lambda <laughs> Omega variant, yeah. who knows? Jeez. Um, and they pick the trips up again. You should definitely join them regardless oh my gosh, I would of love your to. your current city that you live in, even though it sounds like it's gonna be Philadelphia. <laughs> um well, so I would absolutely like you're you're a seasoned traveler and you've you know checked out so many places. What you know, do you have a, a favorite venue out of out of all of these places you've been to, or maybe even like a favorite venue in Chattanooga? Like venues in bar or 
concert hall or like what do you think what is it above so i mean it 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 is what does it mean to you so you know i've had guests who have evoked a memory of a place that just really spoke to them and they just have such amazing feelings anytime they think about this place um or it could be like you know i know when we were doing season one, it's like, okay, as soon as I get vaccinated, this is the first place that I'm sure. going to go to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even something like where you were in Colorado or right. Bonnaroo or, and you, you, I, I do allow for multiple answers because I know it is a very, very difficult question to ask, especially Definitely. when you yeah. have been to so many places. Um. Well, there's this place called Bitter Alibi in Chattanooga that for the longest time, you know, that's where I went after work when I was done serving at that first serving gig I had where I first learned how to bartend. And that's kind of where I really got an appreciation for kind of that that bartender guest relationship, you know, because I was on I was on the guest side, but it was the same bartenders. I off I like going out to eat by myself, you know, especially after work. I just want to sit down and decompress. And I met some amazing people there over the years that that was like i feel like that really molded me into more of like a like a young adult like i was in college but like sitting there interacting with people passing by the bartenders getting to know them and becoming a regular um holds a serious place in my special place in my heart and they've all since left that place but a lot of them are still around town and i still see them and we're all friends and uh that that was a pretty pivotal part of my like young adult life which was really cool i mean uh and that's something i don't i don't take lightly you know and that's that's why i enjoy bartending so much because i love being on the bar side as well and like really taking care of people um that place is awesome um i still go every once in a while but new crew doesn't have the same kind of connection they used to but it's fine you know um but salida colorado is where my friend lives and that's the place i've been going since i was 14 it's a just a tiny little town very cool there's this place called benson's that has this big old moose stuffed head on the wall it's massive and uh i i just always think of that place you know we'd have these awesome like trips with like my dad and my sister we'd go up or like my friend my friends and i would go some years and we'd always go to benson's you know after skiing all day or snowboarding all day and being tired and it always just had this like this sense of comfort there, which is really cool. Um, it's a, I love that town so much. I would move there, but it's too small for me. <laughs> at least at this point in my life. You're like, I'm at my limit for, yeah, for smallness on the exactly. town. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I already know too much about everybody here in Chattanooga. I, I, can't, I can't downgrade size. I need to like, I need to be my own person. <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, I love that place. It's so near and dear to my heart. Um, and I would go back in a heartbeat if I could. I would, they're I would, still, they're still yeah. doing aces. Um, after, after everything we've been through the last year and a half, they're still, yeah. they're still kicking. Yeah. They're still kicking. That's which awesome. is great. Yeah. I, I mean, unless something changed since this winter, but I saw them back in like January, February and they were, they were hanging out. So they're hanging out January, yeah. February. I, I think they're going to be just yeah. fine. Yeah, I mean, Colorado did, I think, a pretty decent job of, like, seriously uh, ensuring that there wasn't a spread in restaurants. You know, they were at 25% capacity for a while, pretty pretty early shut down, that kind of stuff. So hopefully they, they made it out all right. Um, you know, there's this, this 
really cool little bar here in chat that didn't make it, which is a place called Coin Op. Uh, little barcade, nothing too crazy. Just a guy with a passion project and a whole bunch of pinball machines. And he never had to pay for any of them. You know, like it wasn't one of those places like Dave and Buster's or something. It was all just these like classic like cabinet games or these awesome pinball machines. I love the Kiss pinball machine was my favorite. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that place didn't make it, which which hurt my heart for sure. I loved going there. Brett, Brian is an awesome guy. I don't know if you'd ever hear this, but Brian, keep it up, man. You you do what you need to do because it took a lot on him too. Uh, and I think COVID wasn't the only reason he closed, but it was a it was the reason he needed to close, you know. And uh, yeah, it, it's so weird seeing places come and go, and thinking about the times you spent there and the people you meet there, uh, like your friends that go out or the bartenders and the staff that you meet. Like, I I love. I love that part of my job so much. And that's why I love traveling alone too. Like you said earlier, you'd, you'd go sit out. Sit at the bar. Yeah, sit at the bar, get the, the bartender's bartender. idea. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. That's, um, I mean, that's, I I both, whether alone with friends, mm -hmm. um, with my husband, like I, I love sitting at the bar over a table any you day. You get the best perspective for sure. Because you'd hope that in, the, in a bar, it's decently designed so you can also see everything from the bar. So you see how the whole restaurant works. You see how the bartender interacts with everybody else. They'll give you a good idea of where to go next, you know, what you've been doing, where to stay. The, a friend you should go see at the next bar and say, hey, tell him John sent you. And then, yeah, it's just like beautiful domino effect of having a great experience because you said sit down at the bar and talk to the bartender. Well, so Nick, will you please let our listeners know how they can follow you? Um, and stay up to date with um, your comings and your goings. Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram. I like uh, like traveling and posting and drinking booze and making cocktails and stuff. So I, I plan on doing a lot more of that, especially if I try and uh, continue to grow my like private cocktail stuff. So and when you yeah. move to Philadelphia, and when I move so. to Philadelphia, which is inevitable, I've been already <laughs> looking at Zillow and daydreaming online there. So. That's what happens when we go on vacation. Yeah. I know pretty much all the cities that we've really enjoyed uh, visiting. My husband will just wake up the next morning with Zillow postings. <laughs> exactly. So we don't have to buy. We can just visit. So. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm so glad that we met and I'm yeah. so glad that you were able to join me today. This was a, a really interesting conversation. And, you know, I obviously just have a fondness for bartenders because I've had a lot of them on my show. Um, so listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, check out Beyond the Venue podcast on Instagram and make sure you follow along for um, our podcast on all your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Have a great day. Thanks, guys.